Hello and welcome to Starter Set. My name is Ed Sylvester. Uh, this is... That's right, we've got no Sam Bradley this week. That means it's just me, baby. And you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen, or at least if you've been listening to the show for a little while, uh, it means that we have a Campaign Chronicles. Oh yes, uh, for those of you who are newer to the show, this is where we do a little bit of a radio play style, I guess, of a home campaign starring a few interesting characters. Uh, if this is the first time listening, I encourage you to go back, listen to the previous Campaign Chronicles, because that'll bring you up to speed with where we are in the chronologically, 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 in the time frame. <laughs> Lovely. And without further ado, let's begin. The gates of the southern citadel swung forward as our heroes approached on horseback, all except Wendy who was riding in a wagon behind them, still nursing the bandaged werewolf bite. However, as they pulled past the gates and into the city proper, they were almost trampled by another group of horses. Riding with them were several stout goliaths, tall, bold, and each of them adorned with different coloured painted stripes around their faces, arms, and chests. Whoa there, cried Kilvir, his tail flicking in annoyance as both parties halted abruptly. The goliath at the front yanked on his large steed's reins. Apologies, horned one, the large leader said. But next time, mind yourself in the main entrance. Never know who you'll meet. The rest of his party laughed and smirked behind him. And who have we met? asked Lagatha, pulling her horse up next to Kilvir. Only the men who'll rid this land of the giants stealing our food from the north, the leader said proudly, puffing his chest up. The rest of our heroes eyed each other knowingly. Giants, eh? said Kilvir. There's not many of you. What say we offer our services in exchange for the modest cut of the bounty? The group of Goliaths waffed again, and Lagatha raised an eyebrow. No disrespect, but you don't look like giant-killing folk, truth be told. And you're not on the job. You'll have to sign up at the hall to get a contract like this. Besides, looks like you have your hands full as it is. Besides, looks like you have your hands full as it is. The Goliath nodded past them, where the rest of the cows and farmers they had been escorting had arrived behind them, with much mooing echoing around them. Kilvir smiled thinly. Well, perhaps another time. And with that, the Goliaths rode on their way. Shall we? he asked the group, nodding to the cattle behind them. It was a sight to behold, even for some of the southern citadel's residents, as the guardians of the glade began herding the cattle down Main Street. As they went, they took in the unusual architecture that now surrounded them. Looking up, they could see that the city was split into a multitude of tiers that went on as far as the eye could see. The further the group moved into the city, the more hodgepodge mismatched of thatched buildings seemed to close in on around them. There were people everywhere, so much so they were glad when they eventually made it to the southern citadel's grand market. The malaise of houses was nothing compared to this. 
People, stalls and carts were packed so tightly that it's a wonder our heroes' horses could manoeuvre safely, never mind several hundred cattle. The air was humid and filled with sounds from every direction. Smells ranged from horse dung, stale vegetables, to gunpowder and fine spices, depending on which way you turned your head. At one point they had to pause to allow a fire-eater to finish her routine before being accosted by a thin, reedy-looking man trying to sell Wendy what appeared to be dried fruits from a small cart he was pushing. Eventually though they finally made their way to a large cowshed type building wedged impossibly between a large stall selling pickled fish and what was or seemed to be a boarded up old coffee house. Hands were shaken, reports were given and finally after weeks of travel each hero was handed a large sack of gold coins. Standing in the bustling, busy market, they looked at each other, smiling and nodding, all except Bryn, who yawned and shielded his eyes from the low sun. Drinks, beds, food, Wendy began asking loudly as they wandered the bustling streets. It didn't take long for them to be waved down by a burly dragonborn in dark green, impossibly overweight. He waved them into a tall building, again wedged between two others. It seemed the owner had decided to build up as far as they could. They collectively took a number of rooms on the seventh floor, which, much to Wendy's displeasure, overlooked the market to such a point that it felt like the building was about to topple forward. But for a nice amount of gold, they were able to have food and ale and ale and more food and burning liquor sent up to their rooms. They ate and drank, sharing stories of the past few weeks as the sound of the market ebbed and flowed below them. The sun eventually set, but it was long past midnight when the guardians finally made their way to their beds. The next morning came with loud shouts and banging sounds from down below as the market began to open up again. Lagatha was first up, hands on her bow before she remembered where she was. Then she collapsed back into her bed, hands trying to cover her ears as sunlight poured in through shabby wooded shutters on the door. Reaching out, she poured for something, anything that was even close to water, knocking over her backpack in the process. The letter, the one she'd received with orders to deliver to Sarkal, fell to the floor, reminding her of her duty. Getting to her feet, she began dressing and waking the others, who all were feeling slightly worse for wear. Eventually, they made their way back to the market, wincing in the sunlight, having paid a rather sizable bar tab, the owner had been nice enough to point them in the direction of where Commander Sarkal resided, an area of the city called Highreach. They made their way through the streets of the southern citadel, which became decidedly less packed the further from the market they went. After an hour or so on foot, they found the place. A grand-looking compound crafted of wooden panels held between large white stone columns. This, obviously, the entrance to Highreach. Core. This commander's doing all right. This where he lives, Wendy commented loudly. Far too shiny for my taste, said Bryn, peering towards the compound's entrance, which was flanked by two large guards carrying spears. Yes, well, I've got swords too shiny for your taste, my drow friend, smirked Maelstrom, bringing up the rear as they approached the guards. Halt! they both cried in unison. I have a letter for Commander Sarkal, right hand to the king, said Lagatha producing the envelope and holding it out to the guards to look at. There was a long pause as the guards looked from the note to them and back. Is there a problem? Lagatha asked finally. Can't let you in, said the first guard. Yep, yeah, 
chime the second. Can't let you in. Another pause. Okay, I'll bite. Why? asked Lagatha impatiently, with a roll of her eyes to Kilvir. Not taking guests at the moment. Busy time. Busy time. Busy, busy time. The second guard replied. Kilvir looked up and down the street. Not a soul. This comes from the north directly. It must be passed along post-haste, my good man, interjected Kilvir. We don't know that. Could be from anyone, the first guard grunted, screwing up his nose. Could be cursed. Could be fake. Could be anything. Could be a letter to your boss, said Lagatha, her voice rising in frustration as a hangover made her vision swim a little. No visitors today, guard said. Maybe come back tomorrow, maybe the next day, but not now. Lagatha made a movement, as if going for a dagger, but Maelstrom quickly set one hand on her wrist, casually. Fine, we'll come back tomorrow, said Kilvir, shaking his head and sighing. They walked back and away from the gate. I could drop them both. No one would ever know, snarled Lagatha. Lagatha, said Wendy, horrified. Oh, I'm only joking. Well, replied Lagatha, quickly. Well, what now? It's getting intolerably hot out here, moaned Bryn, shifting on the spot. They then spent the rest of the afternoon walking up and down streets looking for somewhere else to get a meal and a place to plan. Quite by accident, though, they wandered into something of an arboretum. Grass under their feet and a large building ahead of them set back behind a small orchard. But it was not the grounds, but the building itself that made them all double-take. It was set into what looked like the skull of a once grand beast. The entrance almost comically set into its wide jaws, while smoke poured from a chimney pointing out of what used to be the creature's ears. Well, this is, Brim began, too shiny, Maelstrom smirked, as they walked up to the large wooden doors and pushed their way inside. As they entered, a hush fell over the party. They were greeted by a large library-crossed long hall that trailed off towards the back of the huge building, set into what must have been at some point the creature's belly for its ribs made up the roof. Kilvir approached the front desk as a woman turned to face him, both catching themselves as their eyes met. The woman who introduced herself as Lady Catherine was a tiefling. Kilvir smiled and blushed slightly, taking in her pale skin, horns and hair, milky white from head to toe. Even her eyes were solid alabaster. Lady Catherine smiled back. Hello, can I help you at all? she asked, her voice timid. I am... Um, Kilvir cleared his throat, making her jump a little. We were, um... This is... Well, what a truly unique... What animal did this building used to be? Wendy asked loudly from behind them, making them jump. Oh, um, we don't know. Some ancient beast, maybe. Could have been a dragon at some point, but there doesn't appear to be the usual sort of skeletal structure. That's way before my time. Welcome to the Hall of the Frontiersmen, she answered. It's, um, it, it's beautiful, replied Kilvir, finally. Um, you won't see another like this, Catherine said before blushing again. Not as, uh, not as, not as beautiful as you. This, this place, not, not as, not as beautiful, not, uh, um, unique this place, Kilvir blustered as Lady Catherine looked at the floor blushing. We were wondering how to get into high reach, said Lagatha, stepping forward. Could you help us out? The guards were not helpful at all. Oh no, you won't get far with those lot. Yes, there are there are ways. Would you like some tea? Lady Catherine asked Kilvir, who nodded eagerly without consulting the group. The alabaster tiefling beckoned them all forwards, and soon they were sat in an alcove around a large table, on which was set a large pot of tea. 
but Lady Catherine appeared too busy to pour it, and so it fell to Bryn and Maelstrom to play mother and serve the drinks. The other three watched, slightly awkward, as Kilver and Catherine fell into conversation, slipping in and out of abyssal their native tongue. After an hour, Maelstrom cleared his throat as Kilver finished telling Catherine how he'd single-handedly fought off twenty werewolves in the forest outside the city. Catherine looked back at the rest of the group, almost as if she'd forgotten they were there. Ah, yes, oh, sorry, um, the High Reach. Well, some say, she looked around quickly, some say that High Reach can be accessed through the sewers, down by the Jammer Foundry. They say that there's a tavern, um, the Giggling Halfling, positively filthy place, but behind there you may be able to find what you're looking for. The moment was broken as Wendy got to her feet and promptly cracked her head on the ceiling of the reading nook. A few minutes later, after Kilvir and Lady Catherine had finished saying their goodbyes, the party found themselves following a small sheet of directions Catherine had provided for them. They walked another hour before Wendy broke the silence. She was nice. Just like you, Kilvir. I mean, when have we ever met another tiefling? Spoke her language and everything. Kilvir, silent, but Wendy persisted. Nice horns. Well spoken. Very pretty. Just like you, Kilvir. Just like... Okay, Wendy, we get it. I think Kilvin noticed that Catherine was a tiefling. Lagatha cut across, before being interrupted by a large roar overhead. A massive floating ship, like the spelljammer they'd seen on their way into town, but maybe three times the size, was pulling into an equally large floating dock attached to a huge factory in the distance. It was several stories high, with huge cannons loaded onto the side. A roar and one cannon fired, but not ballistics. Instead, a huge spike on an equally large chain had been fired towards the dock, lodging itself with a crash in the cliff face below. Rocks tumbled into the nothingness beneath them. They had reached the Jammer foundry. The closer they got, the more the smells and sounds of melting steel filled their senses. The area around the foundry was almost as busy as the market, with people of every race making their way to and from the foundry. After a few minutes, they found themselves in front of the giggling halfling. Slinking around the back, they found a large grate in the floor. Wendy bent down and moved it aside, and one by one, they descended into the sewers below. Positively filthy, smiled Lagatha, as they all gathered in the dingy sewer. Looking around, she began to lead them forward, the walls around them rumbling with the sound of industry above. Her keen eyes were ideal for picking past rusted floors that had been poorly patched. Every so often, she paused at a junction, consulting Catherine's map, before picking her way forward. The air was thick, stinking of all manner of things, but further on they pressed, deeper underground. After the third hour, Bryn sniffed the air. That way, he said suddenly, pointing off down a large tunnel that veered to the left and down. The air, it's different, thinner. Shouldn't be. Lagatha nodded and took Bryn's note, going left and quickly reaching another large junction, with pipes snaking off in every direction. Pausing to check the map, Lagatha sighed, looking up at the pipes and then down at the map. These pipes aren't supposed to be here, she concluded, finally, turning to the rest and shrugging. Maybe we should turn back, or... Oh no, no, not back, come here, you never get lost with a furbolg piped up Wendy, smiling and pushing her way to the front. She cocked her head and thought a moment before, This way! Come on! She called out, bounding forwards and picking a pipe at a seemingly random direction. A fur bulb never loses their sense of... Aah! 
Wendy's feet hit a patch of rust which instantly gave way beneath. In a panic, Wendy grabbed at the pipe's broken edge, hanging on until a sickening crunching sound came from above them all. As they turned to leap back, the world around them gave way as the pipe began to fall. They all left the floor as the pipe fell with them inside, until there was another deafening crunch and the party were thrown to the ground. Silence fell as the bang echoed up and down the tunnel. Everyone all right? asked Kilvir, slowly getting to his feet. The rest murmured a dazed jest as they looked around. It appeared that the pipe Wendy had collapsed had fallen into another, much larger tunnel. Oh good, we're underground again, complained Wendy. But as soon as she'd spoken, then the tunnel opened out slightly. Looking down, they realised their feet could not be seen beneath a thick layer of low-hanging fog. Squinting through the dark, they could see a green light cutting through the gloom. Weapons out? asked Lagatha, to the sound of unsheathing from the rest of the party. Walking forwards, they found the tunnel suddenly ended, and peering over the edge, found a most unexpected sight. Is that... a city? asked Kilvir. Their tunnel was one of many, pockmarked into the cavern walls around them. In the centre of the cavern, about fifty feet below them, a large hill akin to a strange termite mound. It was a city almost, filled with tall gaunt buildings and low shanty-esque housing, made all the more unsettling, thanks to the green glow of the many torches lit around the streets. Reminds me of home, said Bryn grimly, as the party weighed up their new unusual predicament. Well, that's that. Find out what happens to the crew the next time we run through a campaign chronicles. Next week we return to our usual scheduled deep dives into the pages of Dungeons oh, and ah! Dragons. I've been Ed Sylvester. We've been Starter Set. Roll well and we will see you next week. Goodbye.